F1 drivers and teams are enjoying summer break. Lewis Hamilton is visiting various countries in Africa. Alpine and Oscar Piastri could be heading to court. What's next for Daniel Ricciardo? And will we see Mick Schumacher at Haas in 2023? All this and more on this episode of Unlapped. Do you have an organization that can maintain and keep both drivers happy, but also support them on the freaking track? I want to see him win. It would be a thrill for me to cheer for him as an underdog. I've never gotten to do that. Everybody's got a target on the back next season. Everyone in charge of strategy for Ferrari should be out. Welcome to Unlapped, an ESPN F1 show. I'm Katie George. The Brits are on holiday. I hope Nate and Lawrence are enjoying some much-needed R&R. I've asked my good friend Spencer Hall from the DNF podcast to hang out with me today. Spencer, great to see you as always. How are you handling summer break thus far? Uh, Not well. I don't do well with idle time. So it feels very weird to not be yelling about a Finnish man on Sunday mornings, right? Like... My Valtteri Bottas watch has thus far just been watching him. Uh, you know, like all these other guys do like sensible things, but my favorite F1 driver ends up going to Colorado to bike across mountains. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think both Valtteri and I are ready for F1 to come back. Has Bottas uh, kept his butt in his pants or have we seen um, bare butts in his collar? Uh, so far, it's been a cheat-free vacation, but that doesn't mean one that he hasn't gone al fresco on his own. And we just it don't also, know about it. we just don't know about it. Uh, we did an interview on DNF where he said, "Maybe next time I'll roll over and show everybody the front." So there's no telling what he might be up to out in Colorado right now. I do know that he'll bear it all for charity. So don't take anything off the board in terms of possibility. I respect it. I absolutely respect it. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, you can like this video, leave us a comment. Don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. If you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's hit some uh, quick news items before we really dive in. It was announced Monday that Porsche has officially entered a trademark for finally... Uh, Envision the I and finally being the one. So the F1 logo is there, a play on Porsche finally getting involved in F1. Everything from powertrains to merchandise will go under that finally trademark. Spencer, what are your immediate thoughts on on Porsche finally getting involved? I mean, it's a cool logo. Uh, If you don't know regionally, I live in Atlanta, so we're biased uh, a little bit toward Porsche because Porsche's, the American headquarters are here. A little known piece of trivia, by the way, in every single Marvel movie, the headquarters of the Avengers is in fact the Porsche headquarters in Atlanta. It's right there. Yeah, no, if you pass it, they just take that little slice of Porsche's headquarters and they CGI it into some spot by the Hudson River uh, up in New York state. But that is the building. So when you see them like hanging out outside the building and when like the Hulk is eating takeout outside the building, oh, yeah. that is right next to the runway at Hartsfield. It's a beautiful building. I had no idea. That is yeah. incredible. Okay. So you've got a drawdown in Atlanta. Do you mm-hmm. uh, have high hopes for Porsche in F1? Not initially, because as we've seen, even teams that have 5,000 engineers on staff and all of the money in the world can miss on building a car even with years and years of experience. So frankly, if Mercedes has struggled with slight tweaks, 
starting from the ground up for Porsche is going to be very difficult. Ultimately, though, I'm fascinated by this. Porsche has been at the forefront of developing high-end electric vehicles. And by that, I mean like like high-end Porsches that are going to eventually bleed down to be like the Volkswagens that we sell on the street Mm -hmm. that are, you know, performance but affordable. What I'm interested in doing is seeing, I know that F1 is going to evolve and I know that the engines and everything is going to change. Porsche has been very good at that. And they've been very good at that as an organization. So I'm interested to see, maybe not in terms of uh, knowing all of the necessary Formula One stuff to do in season one, but I think they're going to be one of those teams that I just think because of Porsche's DNA, they're going to be very, very quick with adjustments. I think that to me is, is like, I'm interested to see how well they do as F1 continues to tweak the car and what the car, what it means to be an F1 car, I think this is a team that can do really well with that. Otherwise, it's unknowns, right? I'm just saying, I think they're going to be very flexible and I think they'll be very quick to adapt. And for teams who are looking to become more green, I feel like that's where we're trending as well. And they've obviously been ahead of the curve in that area as well. So obviously curious, um, you know, everybody wants to get involved, uh, not just car manufacturers and car Mm -hmm. brands. Um, Apparently the gaming world is getting in on F1 action. Uh, There was a great announcement while we were taking the week off. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 released its new trailer and it's gotten some buzz because there's going to be an F1 map featured within the game. It feels like F1 is everywhere right now. Does that intrigue you about Call of Duty's second game coming out? Only if you can run the race. And if you could run the race in uh, either an ATV or if you can run it in a tank, that's what I want to see because, you know, I need lap times. I'm not interested in it unless I get a lap time out of it, which which they might be able to do, right? The real thing is down the road, if we get Grand Theft Auto 6 and Mm. it has an F1 track in it, they'll let you run it. I know they'll let you run it. And I bet they'll let you take a gun in the car because it's Grand Theft Auto, all right? Not that you should do that in real life, okay? Never run run an F1 course with a gun in the car. However, if anyone's going to let you do it, Rockstar Games and GTA will. I was going to say, I don't know if I can multitask like that, given the premise of Call of Duty and then also being a part of an F1 grid. I just don't think uh, mentally I could handle that. But maybe, obviously, uh, there are some great gamers out there that could. Yeah, no, no, no. The kids are quicker than you can possibly imagine. They'll be fine. <laughs> and finally, I, I think I saved the best for last. I'm not sure if you saw this over the weekend, uh, but someone in the Czech Republic decided to take an F1 car uh, out on the highway for a spin It Mm -hmm. was awesome. I can't imagine just driving along on a casual Sunday, maybe going to the grocery or supermarket with your family, coming back from church, and you just see an F1 car pull up in the left lane next to you and speed off. Apparently, the police were looking for the driver, Spencer. I'm not sure if they actually ever found him or her, uh, but quite the sight on the Czech Republic uh, highway over the weekend. How do you miss him? That's my question. It's not like, oh, that one. Yeah, no, it was red with an old Marlboro logo on the side by the way like the old marlboro brand on this on the uh the cowling there yeah i don't know one how they didn't find him and two where he kept his wallet there's no room you and i have both seen those cars in person right there's absolutely no room for anything extra right there's no point in waiting for a stakeout at a starbucks or a grocery store because there's no room whatsoever for anything in that car so they're not going to stop anywhere they're not going to be picking anything up too we're joking about how hard it would be to find a red kitted GP2 car out on the road. 
However, what if there are two of them in the Czech Republic? Because if one person in the Czech Republic is crazy enough to put a GP2 car on the road, I guarantee you there are two. That's an interesting conspiracy. I can get behind that. I just wonder, do you think they thought, I'll just drive it out on the actual streets for just a second and then made made a wrong turn and then ended up on the highway and really that was not their intention? Do you think that could have happened? Or no, they full-blown were like, I'm taking this thing and we're going for it. I don't think somebody with that car ends up on the interstate or on a highway on accident. On accident. No, 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 no. That was that was part of the plan, y'all, all along. Uh, speaking of part of the plan, uh, Alpine's plans have fallen through. All hell broke loose during the first week of the summer break. Let's take a look at where we're at, okay? Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Alpine announced Oscar Piastri would be filling in for Fernando Alonso in 2023, who, of course, Alonso is now moving to Aston Martin. An hour after Alpine made this announcement, statement via social media, Piastri put out a statement of his own that he would not be driving for Alpine in 2023, that Alpine had jumped the gun with the announcement, that they didn't actually have his permission to put that out. Spencer, before we dive into the collateral damage here, what were you thinking when all of this went down on social Alpine making the first initial statement and then Piastri coming back with a rebuttal? One that um, I think we discovered who doesn't pay enough for their social media people. <laughs> and that would be Alpine. I can't say what they haven't invested enough in overall, but I know their social media coordinator. Mm -hmm. you, you better like rehire and pay more. Because should have checked before you did that. Two, it's a big, big win for attorneys because uh, they're going to get some work negotiating yeah. and renegotiating contracts and releases and signing new drivers. And three, it's fascinating to me that a sport that has this much money and that has this much structure on the engineering end and on the branding end, when it comes to negotiating drivers, it's basically professional wrestling in terms of who's under contract, who's mad at whom, uh, who says they're going where, and ultimately the kind of like seasonal tumult you see when deals are up and people have to decide where they're going. Additionally, 
Shouts out to Aston Martin for being like the elder statesman team. Anybody, there's somebody who, you know, is just the team where you're like, hey, let's put a cool old guy in a car. Aston Martin. Good That's on you. our dig. Yeah, it, yeah. It's been wild watching this all kind of play out because since then, it's been reported by our own Nate Saunders that Daniel Ricardo was informed by McLaren last week that mm-hmm. fellow Aussie driver Piastri is now taking his seat in 2023 with McLaren. And now Ricardo is in final financial discussions with McLaren to figure out what their next step is, the buyout process there. So I'm curious, Vincer, from your vantage point, what do you think went wrong between McLaren and Ricardo? Do you feel bad for how things have played out for Danny over the last couple of years? Not really, because I just figure that that Ricardo was a driver who required a fit. Some drivers don't really require a fit. Some drivers are going to sort of be uniformly successful wherever they go. The best example of that on the young end right now is George Russell. You just get the feeling that wherever he's at, George Russell's going to be a top five, top Makes six it. driver. Yeah. Um, Ricardo, I think, is a guy who needs to be put in a situation where he feels super comfortable and everything is right. Um, and that's not to say he's not a great driver. Obviously, he, he is. He's been on multiple really, really good teams. But in terms of what Daniel Ricardo could have been, there are alternate situations where you go, well, what if he'd ended up at Mercedes? What if Daniel Ricardo had ended up at, you know, what if he'd ended up in this current round at Ferrari in the situation that they're in in 2022? There are a lot of what ifs, which make his career very fascinating. The thing moving forward for Ricardo is figuring out, okay, well, what does he want to do? Um, we've seen him in person. He's magnetic. He's obviously the kind of person who's going to have a future in media uh, in whatever format he wants. I've joked for a long time that he's going to be the king of podcasts when he decides he's going to put both of us out of work in that department when it comes to F1. Um, He's got a lot of really great options. Unfortunately, one of those right now is not being a top tier F1 driver on a top tier team. So I don't know if he wants to go race on the NASCAR truck circuit, have at it. I think he'd have a blast. I still think he's an excellent driver with high potential. I just think too, when you look at some of the business decisions he has made, whether he's being advised to make those changes Mm -hmm. in his career within teams, or he's the one pushing it because he wants that fit that you're alluding to. I just think that he's made some questionable business decisions. I mean, talk about possibilities. He could have stayed with Red Bull way back when, and he decided Mm -hmm. to move on to Renault. And although that there was a transition and a struggle there initially, you know, he started performing better. And right when he started performing better with Renault and it felt like he got a handle on that car, he had already made the decision that he was going to move on and join McLaren. And so I just feel like he's done a lot of jumping. Um, and, And I wonder too, like when it's all said and done for Danny, if he looks back and he, he doesn't seem like somebody who thinks about or has regrets, but I wonder if he would have done anything a little bit differently. Remember, you know, on drive to survive, he was having that conversation about, you know, when he made the change to Renault, he didn't know how Honda was going to play out in terms of their engine and Red Bull creating that partnership. Yeah. With Honda. Well, <laughs> I think it's worked out pretty well. It's been fine. It's been fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, you look at, in any story, there are people who make good bets and bad bets. And at times, I think he probably was a little impatient and has made some he's made some bets that didn't go his way. Right. Which, you know, hey, we, we've all been there. It's just not all of us managed to make like tens of millions of dollars a year as F1 drivers while doing it. So we're, we're saying all these things like, oh, you know, poor Daniel Ricardo. No, uh, unfortunate, unfortunate yes. timing on some of the things that he's done. 
Yes, that's a good way to pose it. Unfortunate. And he obviously is in that buyout process right now with McLaren uh, because he's still got money to be made on the contract that they've got. Uh, what's next for him? I think we'll see. Alpine said that they're open for him returning. Uh, remember, that's his past employer. Alpine was formerly mm-hmm. Renault. Mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to see if he wants to continue driving. Do you see him uh, next to Esteban Ocon in an Alpine in 2023? So much of this depends on what he wants, which right now is, you know, a big question mark. You know, does he want, he's at the the stage in his career where I think he can enter what we would call the Kimi zone, the Kimi Raikkonen zone of Mm -hmm. you could go pick up a wheel anywhere if that's what you really wanted to do. I know, I know he's curious about NASCAR because he grew up as a Dale Earnhardt fan because, you know, he has a great love for the sport. And if he wanted to go ahead and take a late career turn through the American circuit, I think it would fit him like a glove. He's very comfortable here. I've joked that he's, you know, the only American driver on the circuit, (laughs) Um, you know, and I think he would, I think he would thrive here in a lot of ways, whether that's on the track, who knows? And it might not be the most relevant element there, right? It might not be super relevant if he's successful on the track or not. He would be a big celebrity coming uh, to NASCAR and, you know, at least providing something interesting to watch. Um, I think it all depends on whether he still wants F1 in his blood, like whether it's still there. And, you know, I I think he'd be, I think he could be reasonably successful at Alpine uh, if he's patient. We've seen he's not necessarily the most patient dude. No, No, and speaking of wanting it in their life, chomping at the bit is Piastri on the other side. Uh, He's finally going to have a seat in 2023 with McLaren. You know, big things are expected from him, but how effective do you feel like he can be in what is an incredibly competitive field when it comes to young drivers right now? Um, which is, yeah, it just we're, we, t- we tell the same story over and over a lot when it comes to F1, when we go, yeah, you know, F1 drivers, there are so few seats and all of the drivers vying for them are so good, like so absolutely good. Um, Piastri is an F2 champion. He's an F3 champion. He has been good at every single stage of his career. And he provides something that I think whenever you have two drivers um, on a single team, one is going to be the alpha. One is going to be the assistant. That is inevitably how things work. The tension is always there when you have two man teams with this Lando Norris is at an interesting point in his career for McLaren because Lando Norris um, is obviously the better of the two drivers for McLaren right now. He is very young. I think both of us would agree has not hit his ceiling in terms of performance, you know, and and I think that goes for the race team as well. You know, if Oscar Piastri flashes, if he really comes on and he has the kind of growing pains that you see, but in season two becomes somebody who at the age of 22, 23 is really starting to blossom there. You've got two guys who are reasonably close in age who do line up as like alpha and beta who line up as like, you know, leader and helper. How long can they sustain that kind of tension at McLaren when McLaren clearly wants to make that jump? You know, Zach Brown's talked about this. They want to make that jump from, you know, four to three, from three to two. They want to be that team can they do that and can they hold the tension of two young drivers who are going to be in their prime and demonstrating what they're truly capable of there's a lot of ifs when it comes to mclaren like we talk about the best teams you know ferrari red bull and mercedes there are a lot of givens there right with mclaren the x factor to me is organizationally can they hold it all together both on the technical end 
and on the on the balancing two young egos who are both the potential for both of them is championship. Like they are both dudes who could win championships. Okay, well, hearing you talk about McLaren, all I continue to think about from the way you just posed it is Ferrari, right? You've got mm-hmm. two young drivers who I think have incredible upside. We've seen that upside. Uh, both of them, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, are actually going to be featured on the cover of this month's uh, GQ. So yep. Ferrari's plastered everywhere. We just saw Lewis on Vanity Fair's cover. Danny was on Men's Health. So, you know, to the point, F1 is everywhere. But I want to get your thoughts on where Ferrari is at, because you said the technical side, you know, do you have an organization that can maintain and keep both drivers happy, but also support them on the freaking track once the driving actually begins? Because I don't know about you, Spencer, but we Mm -hmm. have had some serious conversations on Unlapped about how Ferrari's team and strategy continues to let both drivers down. We've had three or four episodes of DNF where we just started with, Hi, y'all. We're going to yell about Ferrari. We're just going to yell about Ferrari because it, they are the most over-engineered and under-strategized team. They are the team that may have over-focused on the scientific and engineering side of the product so much that at times it feels like they do not realize they're running a race. They don't realize that they are supposed to compete against other teams, that they are You know, it's one thing to be an athlete or a team and say, you know, we really can't worry about what the opponent does. You have to do that on race day. There's like, they are at times, they have looked like the team that is looking down at their stopwatch and collecting data when what they should be doing is going, should we pit? Should we pit? They need everyone in charge of strategy for Ferrari should be out, right? Like should be fired. Oh, absolutely. They've, They've cost position and they have, they have inconvenienced two of the best drivers, right? I mean, Carlos Sainz had his first win. He's, I think yeah. he's having what is arguably like his strongest campaign yet as an F1 driver. And yet he and Leclerc, who is possibly, you know, I think Max Verstappen is probably still a better driver than him, like pound for pound. Leclerc's hair is a hair off him right now, right? And they could have the lead, both in the Constructors' Championship and in the individual for Leclerc. They could have both of those were it not for baffling strategy decisions in three, four, possibly five different races, depending on how you look at it. What's curious, though, is Mattia Bonotto, team principal at Ferrari, he's convinced that the championship is still doable. He actually Mm -hmm. told our own Lawrence Edmondson that he doesn't think anything needs to change at Ferrari. I mean, obviously, I would imagine you think he's insane for making that statement. Yeah, that seems insane to me. That seems, or how's this? That seems completely uh, on its face without evidence. I see no evidence because Bonotto, and I believe Bonotto said, you know, we have to have, or it was Leclerc who said, we have to have, we have zero margin for error. No. Do you trust Ferrari in a race situation to put a car on the track that can win? Yes. Do I trust them to put the car and driver in a position on the track strategically where they're going to win? No, I see no reason that you can't make that bet on them because they have demonstrated so little ability to do that with the best possible outcomes Mm -hmm. in terms of when they roll out of the garage on Friday and on Saturday, that's one of the best two cars on the track every single week. And yet the results don't necessarily reflect that. That's human error. That is a human issue when it comes to Ferrari, not with the car. 
And how often do we see, okay, Americanize it, right? In American sports, when somebody obviously is not performing, Mm -hmm. an organization is not performing, you often see a head coach, a GM, a team principal in this instance, make a change, whether that's they fire their defensive coordinator midway through the season or their offensive coordinator. They have to show a fan base. They have to show that they're making changes and trying to root out the problem. If Mattia Bonotto doesn't make changes, I wonder if we see Mattia Bonotto in 2023 at the helm of Ferrari. I get why they don't think there need to be any changes. I do, right? I think we have to wonder whether he'll be there, but I also understand why they don't think there need to be any changes because it's been a long process of improvement and getting to this point for Ferrari. So they see it as part of one long continuation. So if they are taking the longest of long looks at this, if they are thinking long-term, you know, they don't care about the little fires in their mind. They don't care about, you know, making a pit mistake or or making a mistake in strategy in terms of when you pit um, or what tire you're going to use, even if that tire decision is baffling, right? Like going with one tire where no one else has gone with the same <laughs> and everyone in the stands is going, what are you doing? I get why they don't think anything needs to change. If I were a Ferrari fan, that would drive me absolutely batty despite all the progress that they've had there is one great thing from that gq article that i have to mention it is the most italian thing i have ever heard they're in the museum because they go to ferrari land as the writer calls it and both drivers are there and two things happen one there's a blank spot on the wall reserved for ferrari's next champion and the guy who runs the museum said uh do not worry about inconveniencing me i will move all of these to put your car there if you know, don't go ahead and win. That's fine. That's fine. I, please, I don't mind the work. Please, please, and thank you. Right. Then there's another one. They have a bunch of priceless Ferraris on the floor, which are meant to be museum show pieces. You know, don't touch them. Don't you know, bump up against them or anything. And the guy who runs the museum sees a little kid, and he goes, like, you know, he's going talking to the writer about this car and how priceless it is and how you know they have to protect it. And he sees a little kid, and he goes, "Hey, bambino, hey, come here!" And he just throws open. <laughs> the door and puts the kid in the car right just like here just sitting it just letting this little kid with his grubby hands like to handle the ferrari because he thinks it's cool yeah it's a great profile if you haven't read it and it does actually like it reinforces what you're seeing with ferrari which is that they take themselves so seriously and they take the job of 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 instilling excellence in the ferrari racing brand so seriously that i think sometimes it makes them a little nearsighted in the best and worst ways I was going to say that should be appreciated, right? That they do take it yeah. as seriously as they do, but unfortunately just haven't delivered, uh, you know, and obviously the Tifosi are not thrilled with that. So in your mm-hmm. mind, is the championship already over? Do you feel like Max will seal the deal? If so, what track uh, and when do you think that he gets it done? Looking down the road in terms of tracks where he doesn't miss, that's um because Max has just been so ruthlessly efficient. I do think he has, I think he has it like sewn up already just because do you see, given how they're performing right now, do you see them making a mistake down the road to undo all of the quality work that they've done? No, I can see Ferrari doing that falling further behind. I don't see Max doing the same. Um, you know, I think that Max in a position like in Japan, like sewing it up, sewing it up and making it mathematically impossible in a month at Japan um, seems like a pretty conservative bet for when he puts it completely 
um, out of the realm of reality, right? Like in the point where he'd have to crash like every race to sort of distance that. Um, to me, the interesting story here is that so much whether Red Bull is going to win or whether Verstappen is going to win. For me, the interesting thing is seeing how Mercedes continues to improve, yeah. right? Because the last month or so of the season, the last four or five races, you know, Mercedes finally, they had this little plot going where they would improve and they sort of backslide. They'd improve and they'd backslide. Mercedes, particularly Lewis Hamilton, they've been coming on to be sort of like the most consistent four or five team, right? Like hopping up to three sometimes. It'll be interesting to see how many podiums they can get in the second half of the season because that, to me, feels like the team that's doing the most intense work during the season of improving and working with the car. Yeah, which is interesting because we're not used to seeing them have to make such drastic improvements over the first half of a season. This is obviously new territory for them, but they have continued to persevere. Okay, let's switch gears and just look at the middle of the pack here because we mentioned those top three teams, Team Haas uh, and their driver, Mick Schumacher. So it's been a roller coaster season, I think is fair to say for Mick. You know, he's wrecked a couple of cars, millions of dollars worth of damage. He scored his first F1 points, which was awesome, but it sounds like He's yet to lock into a contract for 2023. And the big question is, you know, will we see Mick at Haas Spencer next year or will we see Mick in Formula One next season altogether? Where do you fall on Mick right now? You know, Mick, is, Mick has had, Mick's been all over the place mm -hmm. thus far. I think Haas in terms, Haas would crave a little bit of stability. I would think, you know, not that Gunther's necessarily the most chill or undemanding boss, but they love the dude like everybody loves schumacher um haas has been productive this season the relationship with ferrari again has yielded they're another team that's on a very long-term rebuild planning well ahead into the future so I, I you know ideally if i were them i would go we have a pretty decent thing going here let's see if we can hold on let's see if we can keep everyone in place because you know the long term has worked for ferrari the long-term planning has worked for Haas. They've had so much strife, well-documented thanks to unlimited access uh, from the Drive to Survive people. But that's real. That's very, very real. They've had a cartoonish amount of turnover, of funding issues. The more stable they can keep it, I think, the better, especially with somebody who, yeah, he's got the family name, but he's he's been putting some actual performance behind that. So I would let's keep it steady. Let's keep everyone at Haas together. And I'm not just saying that because I want to see Gunther happy because I, I, I do, but and it's hard not to root for him. Right. Yeah. So it's hard not to root for Kevin or Mick in that instance either. And it's America's team. Right. So we, uh, it's just, listen, we have, we have one team Haas and we have one driver, Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> I love that. All right. Let's take a look at the rest of the season and what lays ahead for F1 fans. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? 
You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We're back in a couple weeks in Belgium, and my biggest curiosity, Spencer, I think, is how on earth does Alonzo walk into the Alpine garage after the fire he set and then just left everyone to- On a boat! On a boat! (laughs) No less. (laughs) Yeah, they were trying to call him, and he was like, they were like, no, sorry, he's on a boat somewhere off Greece. He's somewhere in the Mediterranean. This is just proof that, like, our quality of life as Americans is trash. We can't do that. Where do we go? We're like, where are you hiding? You're like, uh, Pensacola? No. Alonso goes to the boat off the coast of Greece and is like, yeah, sorry, ciao. I'll talk to you later. I think he walks in. He walks in like it's work. That's what it is. We all know, by the way, what tension is there to be had now? There might be one awkward conversation with management, but otherwise, you know what you're supposed to do you know what your job is and you're all amply like you're all amply compensated for it so yeah there was a little bit of drama but frankly doing that right before the vacation i don't know if you've ever had a big work kerfuffle and then had a vacation booked after it people forget the most amazing things you just walk in and it's like nothing ever happened i think that is the key and that is such a good point by you the fact that it happened one two three days into summer break as compared to happening one, two, three days before everybody came back mm-hmm. and got ready for Belgium, that's entirely different. It allows people to cool off. It allows them to rest, recover, get rejuvenated for the next half of the season. Uh, I think that Alpine will be in an okay place. Um, it's one thing if there was a couple days in between and everybody's coming back hot from the announcement. But you know what? He has attacked for doing this. You know, I always grew up, my parents used to say, don't burn any bridges. You know, you never know when you're going to need a relationship. Like if you leave one employer, just, you know, make sure you leave on good terms. You just never know what's going to come back around. Fernando Alonso, I don't think he cares whether he burns bridges or not because he has left some teams uh, in disarray and doesn't seem to really mind because he continues on uh, with his same old kind of action. So I will say this. Shouts out to Fernando Alonso for being the one who does this to their employer instead of vice versa, because there are really very few good ends when it comes to how people leave race teams. And Alonso, kudos to you for not waiting, right? Don't don't wait for the call from the agent. Make the call to the agent. Make it happen, even if it's this. Consider this, too. That is an aging driver who, at the end of his career, managed to get another gig after Alpine, guaranteed, Mm -hmm everyone happy on the other end and got his next, like his next 365 meals taken care of. Well done. Predictable, right? You talk about stability. You know what? At least he's consistent with the way that he does things. All right. We, we obviously talked about McLaren. Uh, They're in a heated battle for fourth place in the constructor standing. Uh, Do you feel like McLaren can have a great second half of the season or will the Ricardo Piastri news derail the rest of the season in your eyes? I don't know because Ricardo can be the kind of dude who, you know, the racing is always usually separate when it comes to these drivers and how they feel emotionally. But given how the team has really sort of rallied behind Lando Norris, 
-hmm. in terms of both prioritizing like resources and now all but saying, or, you know, basically coming out and saying, yeah, we're, we're done with you as a driver for our team. You know, you're going to race out the string. Um, the only advantage I can see to their chemistry wise is that Ricardo's done this before. That's he it. Has, so he has experience. He has experience, right? And not, not that you're going to phone it in because I don't think it's humanly possible to phone it in at 189 miles an hour. I don't. But um, whether he's going to be as active and enthusiastic a second banana for Lando Norris, I don't think it's, I don't think it's possible at the margins to not feel it a little, to not just say, well, you know, how much do I really want to help you here? I'm just going to run my own races. Yeah. It's just a good reminder that you have to be mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually all in to do this. And you have to imagine that that weighs on some of these guys to a degree, and then ultimately impacts the way that they drive uh, on the circuit. Okay. So prediction time. Doesn't have to obviously be who do you think is going to win the driver's standing or the constructors, because I think we have a good idea at this point. Just who do you envision having a great second portion back half to the season? Who do you envision maybe struggling a little bit as we get going back in Belgium? Um, I think individually, I think there's no reason to think that Lando Norris isn't going to have an outstanding second half of the season relative to what he's already done. Um, I think you'll see continued excellence from Valtteri Bottas, who I think at Alpha in his first season as lead dog had a pretty good year. That's what you expected them to have, like have a pretty good year. I think you're going to see some of the younger uh, dudes continue to progress. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, Joe Guan Yu has been outstanding for Alpha at times, especially relative to uh, relative to his age and experience. I think he's been improving. Um, I think that overall, the team that fascinates me most is still Mercedes because they have the best blend of demonstrated potential and room to improve. I think they probably could. I'm kind of waiting for that serotonin hit of seeing Lewis win one. Like, I want Lewis to win one. I do, because I feel like, you know, he's had what for the most decorated driver around and still, I think, pound for pound, overall the best driver of anything on the planet. I, I want to see him win. I, it, it would be a thrill for me to cheer for him as an underdog. I've never gotten to do that. That would be new territory be very, for everybody. It's new territory, right? I never, I never get to root for Darth Vader. I get to do that now, right? Um, also, Toto Wolf victory speech. Never, never a bad thing. The promo that Toto Wolf would cut after this year off a, a P1. Oh, it'll be incredible. Everybody's got to talk it on the back next Everybody. season. I that told was you. I the told mic you. drop. Uh, give me a plug really quickly for your DNF podcast that you do. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, produced with Metal Lark DNF available wherever you get podcasts. Discuss Matana and I uh, review the action of the day for F1 immediately following the race. We are on the exact same vacation that everyone else is on, but we will be back for Belgium about 20 minutes after the race, maybe 25 if I can't find my headphones. So wherever you get your podcast, DNF. Spencer, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope you enjoy the rest of summer break. I can't wait to see you next. I hope it's in Austin. Are you going to Coda? Uh, I believe I am going to Coda. All right. So I'll be there with a cowboy hat in hand. Okay. Well, I will come pick you out. You can't be hard to find with a cowboy hat and that beard. Thank you. As always, I appreciate seeing you. Thanks for the insight. This was another episode of Unlapped. 
You can find us on YouTube. Like, subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And just like he said it, give us a five-star rating so more people can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.